What is up, Redeemed Church? Hello, my name is Eddie Johnson. I'm so excited to be with you this weekend. Before we go any further, happy Mother's Day to all the Redeemed Church moms out there. Man, thank you so much for your life, for, your, for being a blessing to me, a blessing to your kids and your family, to our church body. Uh, man, thank you for everything. Special thank you to my mom, uh, Susanna, my sister, Natalie, to my mother in love, Carlene. Um, uh, people that may not know this about me, but I actually was raised by mostly women. I think if there's uh, 20, 25 people in my the close circle of my family uh, that raised me, aunts, uncles, cousins, and the whole bit, I think uh, there's three men other than me, and then there's all the rest are women. So I'm a product of the women who spent time pouring into me and loving me, and I have to do a special Happy Mother's Day to my wife, Kendra, it's her first Mother's Day, our first Mother's Day with Camille. Uh, Kendra, you are a great mom. I love watching you be a mom. I love watching the way God is using uh, motherhood to bring even more beauty and grace out of you. So happy Mother's Day to all the redeemed church women out there. <clears throat> we are now in third week, week number three of our Updating Your Operating System uh, sermon series. Kurt did a great job uh, the first couple of weeks setting the stage, talking about the difference between hardware and software, about how the hardware of the church, that's the stuff we see, right? That's the building, that's the staff, that's the worship team. Quite frankly, that's even this right now, okay? But the software of the church is really the heartbeat of the church. That's the stuff that's unseen. That is what Jesus is doing in the hearts and minds of each and every one of us. That's the life groups that are happening. That's the love that's being spread and shared in our communities, in our world, where you're going to work and loving well, where you're going home and loving well, where you're loving your neighbor and you're doing what the Lord's called you to do outside of the four walls of the church. And as we talk about the series we're in right now, updating our operating system, we're looking at Jesus and his interaction with disciples in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Because quite frankly, these famous chapters of the Bible are exactly that. This is where Jesus sits down with his disciples and say, hey, yo, you need to know what's really going on here. You need to understand all of the, all of the circumstances, everything that's happening, everything that has happened, everything that's about to happen, and everything that's coming down the pipeline in the future. And in this part where we pick up in John 14, 15, Jesus introduces, the, the, or not introduces, the Holy Spirit has been around from the beginning of time. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God hovers the depths, hovers over the earth, right? We see the Holy Spirit showing up all throughout Scripture. The Spirit uh, came over the great prophets of the day. The Spirit shows up when Jesus is getting baptized and you hear the voice, the Father. You see the Son in the water. You see the dove in the, the, in the form of the Holy, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descending on the shoulder of Jesus. The Spirit's always been there, but for some reason, Jesus had to make a point to make sure the disciples understood that the Holy Spirit is doing something in them, to them, through them, around them, and he's moving forward. And Jesus had to make sure they understood that. The reality of the Holy Spirit has been true since the very beginning, but Jesus took this moment right now to upgrade their operating system and say, hey, you may not have been paying attention to what's really going on, but you've got the Holy Spirit and he's moving in you. That's where we pick up in John 14. So before I start reading, let me pray for us. And if matter of fact, if you're driving to work, praise God. If you're uh, taking care of the kids, 
awesome. Keep doing what you got to do. But if you're in a place right now where maybe you're washing the dishes while you're listening to this, that's what I do a lot of times at the end of the night. I wash the dishes, clean the countertop, throw on a podcast and listen to it. Maybe right now, don't do that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to sit down for a moment. Grab your Bible, grab your journal. I want you to engage with the scripture because there's a lot of information here. And and I wish I had time to go through it all, but we're going to hit on it and we're going to hit it hard and we're going to really dig into what the word is telling us and what the insight Jesus is giving us into the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to dive into today as we begin with John 14, starting with verse 15. Let me pray for us. Father, man, we just invite the Holy Spirit to be here right now. We invite the Holy Spirit to come into our driveway to come into our car, to hang out with us in the kitchen, to hang out with us in our kids' bedroom, to hang out with us at work, to be in our lunch break. We, Holy Spirit, we invite you to be in and around us. We want to be aware of how you're moving, what you're doing. We want to hear your voice. We want to know your heart. We want to move as you move. Do as you do. Because Jesus has said, you are here for us, to lead us, to guide us, to give us truth, to point back to Jesus, to give us the strength to do all the things that you have planned for us, Lord. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here in this moment right now. In Jesus' name, amen. John 14, 15 starts off with these words. Jesus with his disciples, talking about upgrading their operating system, about to introduce, uh, about to make sure they understand not just information about the Holy Spirit, but they understand the realities of who Holy Spirit is. He says, the first words he says, long before he ever can dive into who the Holy Spirit is and give them the understanding, he, he, he has to level the playing field. And he says the words, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Church, I got to tell you this. There is something very keenly linked to the move of the Holy Spirit in your life and obedience. All right. If we're going to move and start talking about the Holy Spirit moving forward, I can't say anything until we get this one thing straight. John 14, 15, Jesus' words, not mine. If you love me, you will obey my commands. There's a direct correlation to the move of the Holy Spirit in your life and the level of obedience that you have. Okay, now what does that mean? I'm not saying that God doesn't love you. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit can't move. I'm not saying God won't do amazing things in your life. But the reality is this. There is God the Father who plans, the Jesus who executes, and the Holy Spirit who applies. It's the Holy Spirit who comes alongside of us, comes inside of us, moves in and around us, and helps us live the life that God has called us to live. And it's really hard to live out what the Holy Spirit has for you if you're not willing to walk that road. Man, Kurt really touched on this in the first week. He talked about how the disciples, the very disciples who hung out with Jesus, even though they spent three years with him, they struggled. They struggled. They needed the boldness. They needed the confidence. They needed the empowering so they could step out into what Jesus had been teaching them. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He says, I want to give you, I want to I help you live out what God has for you. And you can only do that if you, make, if you have the agreement from the very beginning to say, Lord, I will be obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit asks of me. So with that in mind, Jesus goes on to say these words. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. We got to pause right there. 
Jesus makes it clear. He's giving another helper. While Jesus, the physical embodiment of Jesus, had to go away. We understand. If you understand the scripture, he, he was crucified. He died. He, he, uh, he, he literally was buried in a tomb. He rose again from the grave. And the literal Jesus, the literal man Jesus, the God man Jesus, ascended into heaven. So his physical body was going away in the sense that he was sent to heaven, but he was never leaving us. He would never leave us, never forsake us. And since he understands the plan and the process of the Father, he says, yo, you need the Holy Spirit to live out what I have for you. Matter of fact, verses prior to this, Jesus talks about how we'll do even greater things than he did. Why? Because he knew he was leaving us with the Holy Spirit who is going to be in us, through us, around us. He says, I'm going to leave you another helper. That word helper in Greek is this word paraclete, parakletos, a lot of different ways you could say it. I just say paraclete, keep it real simple. Sounds like paracletes, right? If you like football or soccer or something like that. That word paraclete is a legal term that basically means to have almost like a defense attorney or legal advisor, someone who is defending your case. But it's different than that because this is as if you would have a legal advisor who isn't just telling you what to do, but they're actually helping you live better. They're helping you live better. If you read different translations, this is ESV. If you were to bust open NIV or NLT or, or New American Standard, well, they all have different words they translate paraclete as. Some say helper, some say advocate, some say counselor, some say comforter. And all, in all of those things, in all of those different words, it's always about this idea that the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit comes alongside of us to help us, to empower us, to strengthen us, to do in us, to move in us so that we can be obedient, so that we can love and follow and love well. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and in and will he dwells with you and will be in you. And verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Did you see the next thing we see about the Holy Spirit? So number one, we see that the Holy Spirit, uh, to the, the, the level to which we can engage with what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life requires some level of obedience. It requires to love. It requires to follow. And then when we love well, when we follow well, the Holy Spirit is activated in our life, coming alongside of us, helping us to be better, to be more like Jesus, to love and follow well. It's kind of like a giant circle. When we love and follow well, we give access and we give room for more of the Spirit to be in our lives so we can continue to love and follow well. And Jesus says here that you will see him and you will know him and you will recognize him because he dwells with you and in you. And then he adds a little tagline on to the end. I will not leave you of orphans. Here's the beauty of who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is relational. So we see the Holy Spirit is relational. He is with us. I noticed a handful of years ago 
maybe 10, 12 years ago, I had a lot of friends in ministry who started dropping the the in front of Holy Spirit, in front of the Holy Spirit. They would just start saying, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And I was intrigued by that because I noticed something. And I asked them, why is it that you do that? Because for years, for generations, a lot of times, the Holy Spirit was viewed not as a third member of the Trinity, but as a force or a power or just a thing that's out there that helps us, helps Christians do better. But no, that's not how Jesus ever presents the Holy Spirit. Every time Christ speaks of the Holy Spirit, he speaks of the Holy Spirit as a person, never as just an influence or power or just an attribute of God. The Holy Spirit qualities uh, belong to a person. He has, the about, he, he has a will, he does, he calls, he, he feels, he loves. Holy Spirit was never designed to happen outside of a relational covenant experience. If you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, you will have someone that will help you, that will be with you. If you love me, you will see him, you will know him, you will recognize him. He will be with you and he will be in you. Kurt talked about, I believe it's minos, is the word that word dwell means. The Holy Spirit is dwelling with you. He's dwelling inside of you. I will not leave you as orphans, but the Spirit will be with you forever. To understand, so when Jesus steps in with the disciples, he's upgrading, updating an operating system. He makes it crystal clear. This has to start from a place of love and obedience. This has to start from a place of where you understand who I am, why I've came and what I've called to do. And once you got that, the Holy Spirit comes and he, 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 he comes and he gives you a, a, a boost, a charge. It, it's kind of like uh, nowadays, right? It, it can't be fast. It has to be super fast, right? The Holy Spirit comes in and says, I'm going to give you energy and I'm going to charge you up and I'm going to fire you up and I'm going to inspire you and I'm going to give you the ability to live and to serve God. But I'm not just giving you the ability to do it. I'm going to be with you in you, loving you, holding you, keeping you, comforting you, counseling you, advocating for you and helping you every step of the way. Updating our operating system means we have to think differently about how we engage with the Holy Spirit. Are we in a place where we're willing to be obedient in love, to love the Lord, to love others well? And as we do that, are we engaging with what the Holy Spirit has for us? Matter of fact, when you skip down a couple of verses to verse 23, Jesus says these words. He ties it all back in together. You'll see how this keeps showing up. If anyone loves me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home in him. Okay, let's say another thing here. Let's make sure we understand this. This isn't just, uh, we're using some masculine terms, right? But this is for all of us. This is the royal we. This is the big collective. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Jesus is setting the stage here again. If you love me, you keep my commands. If you're willing to step into this, if you're willing to walk this road, if you're willing to upgrade your operating system, if you're willing to step into what God has for you, you will give access, you will give room for the Holy Spirit. And then verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you.
We are talking about the fact that as we upgrade our operating system, church, in the same way where Jesus did with his disciples, he's saying, you've got to look at this a little bit differently. I've got a plan here. I'm working something out here. I'm doing something here. And it requires for you to, to be committed. It requires for you to be engaged. It requires for you to love and love well. It requires you to obey and obey well. It requires you to follow and follow well. And when that happens, you give room and you give access to the Holy Spirit to move in your life in an amazing way. And when he moves, what does he do? He will teach you all things and he will bring to remembrance what I have taught to you, what I've told taught you. Simply put, this church is you can know it's the Holy Spirit when Jesus is exalted. That's, that, that's really what the Holy Spirit does. Everything the Holy Spirit does always says we are going to lift up Jesus. We're going to lift up Jesus in your life. We're going to lift up Jesus in other people's lives. We're going to lift up the love and the grace and the strength and the power and the hope and the, and the awesomeness. That word is not even the Bible. We just use that because it's 2021. All that thing that Jesus is, the Holy Spirit's job is to bring the truth to light and to bring to remembrance all that Jesus is who all who he is and all that he's done. The Holy Spirit does one thing. He points back to Jesus and he says, man, what Jesus started in you, we want to keep that going. What Jesus started in you, we want to do that in someone else. What Jesus started in you, if it could get into the entire world, it would get into the, it would get into the bloodstream, it would get into the water supply, it would change the entire world. The Holy Spirit says, I want Jesus to be exalted and lifted up because something happens, church, when Jesus is exalted and lifted up, it changes everything. It changes everything. I have people sometimes who, who, who say, Eddie, but I, I don't know if I, I've had an experience with the Holy Spirit. I, I understand the Father, the Creator. I understand Jesus, the Savior, but, but I don't know if I've experienced the Holy Spirit. Is it just my conscience speaking to me? Is it just, the, the, some people might say, the still small voice? What is it? How can I know that the Holy Spirit is real, it's active and moving my life? Well, here's how you can know. Like I said, number one, just now, the Holy Spirit is always lifting up Jesus. But the other thing I always tell people is, if you love Jesus, if you love God, if you've made this commitment, you say, man, I, I'm moving in a way that says, I want to love God, love people, love Jesus well. You've You've seen the Spirit. You've heard the Spirit. The Bible tells us no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws. I believe it's John chapter 6. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now in this very moment through, me, through my words, through a TV screen, through a podcast, through worship. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you and drawing you. And what he's saying is, is I want you to understand how awesome Jesus is. I want you to understand how powerful the love and grace of Jesus can affect every single part of your life. That's what it was for the disciples. Jesus said it. This is a relational experience. He's with you. He's in you. Every part of your life, he's never leaving you. He's got your back. He's supporting you. He's loving you. He's pouring into you. This is not some force or some energy that's just there to make you feel good. This is not just the gospel goosebumps. Hey, I love me some goosebumps. I love some good feeling. But the reality is the Holy Spirit is the, the third person of the Trinity who says, I want to love you. I want to show you. I want to strengthen you. I want you to help you live for God in a real and passionate and authentic and truthful way. If you felt that nudge, if you felt that poke, you've heard from the Holy Spirit. So what's your response? Love and obey. 
Your response now is to step up and say, man, I want more of that. I want that volume of the Holy Spirit to be turned up in my life every day in every single way. I want that, that move, that grace, that power, that feeling. I want that, that, that knowing and that confidence of being fully embraced and loved by God, by being filled with the Spirit. I want to know that. I want to feel that. I want to engage with that every single day of my life. I want that. I need that. That's what it means to upgrade your operating system. Is when we are so hungry and so desperate for what God wants to do in our life. We were so hungry and so desperate and so passionate for the Holy Spirit to move in us, around us, and through us. We talk about operating our operating systems. It, it, it means that we are turning up the volume of the Holy Spirit in our life. We're turning up the volume of the Holy Spirit in Redeemed Church. The Holy Spirit's here. He's moving, he's operating, he's acting, he's doing. But what we wanna do as a church, as we talk about upgrading our operating system, is we're turning up the volume because we wanna hear more clearly what God has for us moving forward. Uh, there's a, let's give some context, because I love context. I love, I love studying the Bible, I love studying biblical history. And as I was studying this, I, I dug in some, 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 deep, some, some deep waters, and, and I found out that, that the Apostle John, the disciple John, actually wrote his gospel uh, in the town, in the city of Ephesus. So where we get Ephesians, uh, where Paul had ministry, where uh, Timothy uh, pastored the church, basically, to believe. Uh, John had relocated to Ephesus. And John was the oldest was surviving disciple of Jesus. Matter of fact, I took a class in college years ago where my professor actually uh, broke down some of the writings of John uh, and his literature, and John being the oldest surviving uh, apostle disciple, uh, when he writes, you'll notice that he writes really differently than the other three gospels. His position of writing is fascinating because it's more of a position of John writing as a man who's at the edge of his life, at the edge of retirement, who's looking back on all the amazing things God has done. And he's kicking back and he's saying, oh, I remember when we had this time and Jesus moved in this mighty way. I remember the good old days. And I remember how the spirit, I remember this, I remember that. That's how John writes. And in my mind, okay, this isn't in scripture, but in my mind, I can picture John as an old man hanging out with the Apostle Paul, talking about some old ministry war stories, right? Talking about how they saw God move, how they saw Jesus do amazing things throughout people's lives and history and all this great stuff. And, and, and it gets me kind of excited. And, and, and I got to thinking, Ephesians actually, Paul actually writes about the interplay and the interaction between Christ and the Holy Spirit in a very similar way to what John writes about the interplay between Christ and the Holy Spirit. And I want to tie that in all in the end, and I think it'll make sense when I read it, but it's in Ephesians chapter 1. And, 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 and here's what Paul writes in Ephesians 1, verse 11. In him, Christ, we have obtained inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be, the pray, be to the praise of his glory. In him, in Christ, you also uh, or you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, believed in him. 
And here's the part I want to touch on. You were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise and the glory of God. I want to read that again. I'm going to read a different translation in the NIV. The last two lines, verse 13 and 14 of Ephesians chapter 1. Here's what Paul writes. And I love this way. I love the language in, in the NIV just a little bit differently because he hits, Paul hits on something I think is really important. You were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked with him with a seal promised of the Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. I love that word, deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, that the Holy Spirit, when we give room, when we come to know Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Uh, let me tell you a quick story. When I was 18 years old, uh, I was working a job post high school, uh, and that summer, uh, in between high school and college, uh, I went to the bank, and I went to go deposit a check. I didn't have direct deposit. So I went to go deposit a check and so I could have some money and I can go buy some stuff. All right. When I got to the bank, now you have to understand, I've had this bank account since I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I had the same bank account. My mom started for me when I was a kid and I had the bank account and I would just deposit money, take out money, do whatever, right? All normal banking stuff you do. And on the bank account was my name and my mom's name because at the time when I started, my mom was the primary and Eddie was the minor but I would still use the bank account. And so I go to the bank one day and you gotta understand also, I wasn't at a new bank. I was at a, the same branch I had gone to since I was 15, 16 years old. Matter of fact, one of the tellers in there was a friend of mine. I knew her daughter, we were friends. I knew everyone at this bank. I would wave, I would say hi, but I show up to the bank one day. I hand them my card, I hand them my check. I sign the check, ready to deposit it. And they look me up in the system and I'm nowhere to be found. What? Okay, don't mess with my money. Can I tell you that right now? Don't mess with my money. I'm nowhere to be found in the system. They had my account number. They had my address. Uh, they, I think they even had my social security number. They had my mom's name, but they didn't have my name on the account. So because they did not have my name on the account, I couldn't do anything. They wouldn't even let me deposit my check. Go through the whole hullabaloo. Get my mom, do all these things. We, we, they, we get to the bank, we figure out the best way to figure all this out is actually to start a brand new checking account, a brand new bank account. So this was the first bank account I ever opened completely on my own, by myself, without my mom on it. And when I went to go open that account, they said, hey, Mr. Johnson, I don't think they called me Mr. Johnson as an 18 year old kid, but whatever, I'll just say that right now. Mr. Johnson, if you're gonna open this account, you have to give us a deposit. You have to put a certain level of money into this account right now. And matter of fact, the, the money you put in this account can never drop below a certain point. We need to know that forever, as long as you have this account, your dollar amount in the bank can never drop below a certain point. And I was like, wow, that's weird. I didn't know that, but I signed the paper, had the account, boom, made it happen. So the question is, why does a bank want you to deposit a certain amount of money in the account? It's because they know that if your money is there, you will always do business with them. They know if your money is there, they've got you as a customer for life or however long you hold the account. But they know that if your money is not there, you've got no vested interest in seeing that account do anything. Can I tell you the truth, church? The same thing is true for us and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. 
God the Father has deposited the Holy Spirit into our bank account of our lives because he's as a promise to say, I still got business I want to do in you and to you and through you. I still have something I want to work in you. The Holy Spirit still has something he wants to work in you. There's still an investment to be had. There's still be moves to be made. There's still people to be reached. There's still love to be shared. There's still grace to be given. There's still more. And as proof that I'm committed to helping you, to being in you, being with you, being around you, being in others, I will give the Holy Spirit as proof to say, I will not leave you, but I promise I have something more for you. That is upgrading operating system. That's how we think about uh, Holy Spirit and church differently is we say these simple words. We know that because of what God has done in us, because <clears throat> what God has done in us, okay, the fact that he's given us his Holy Spirit, we know that he's working something amazing in us. We, if we give Holy Spirit space, if we love, if we're obedient, if we follow through, if we give the Holy Spirit space to move, he will move and do great things. I wrote down this line as I was kind of praying through these words, and this is how we'll close. The Holy Spirit's inside you and around you, pointing you to Jesus, connecting you with each other, and moving you as you go throughout the world. Holy Spirit has a plan for you, has a plan for Redeemed Church. He wants the space to operate and to move because he has business he wants to do in your family, in your life, in your church, and in your community. Upgrading operating system means we are going to give Holy Spirit that space to move in obedience with what God's called us to do. Would you do that today? Here's a question for you. What's the one thing that you know Holy Spirit's been telling you to do? Who's the one person he's been telling you to call? What's the one prayer he's been telling you to pray? What's the one uh, fast he's been asking you to fast? What's the book of the Bible he's been asking you to read to dig in deeper? What has he been moving on you to do because he has an investment in you that he wants to see grow? So we thank you for that, Holy Spirit. You're moving us. Let me pray for us and we'll close. Father, thank you for this time. Help us hear from you. Uh, hear what you have for us with clarity and let us step into what Holy Spirit has for us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Redeemed Church, I love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.